This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. Raise your hand. It's going to be a good day today. Our ushers would gladly get you a Bible. If you're watching by live stream, we welcome you here that we're going to have an encounter with the Lord today. Once you got your Bible, go with me to Psalms 103. Now, we've been in Psalms 103, and I believe today will be the finale of this, that we'll get another one of God's benefits today. And my prayer is every one of these benefits, they stick to us. So we begin, again, if you need a Bible, get your hand up real high. We begin in the Psalms 103, verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me, I'll bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Now, let me highlight that just real quick. God doesn't forget his benefits. And I believe he's telling us, whatever you do, don't forget my benefits. Don't forget my promises. The very first one, he said, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, the God who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things, so that your youth is renewed like eagles. Now, the last one today is that last, the last sentence, that your youth is renewed like eagles. That word renewed has the meaning to, to restore. It means to recover. It means to make new again. And, and that's God's desire for us. So this is cross-reference to Isaiah 40. Turn with me to cha- uh, Isaiah chapter 40. And we're going to jump into what he says there. And so, again, the two words in that last sentence we read that sticks out to me is God is a renewer. But he said, I want to renew you like that of an eagle. So I read these things and I begin to think, okay, what's the significance of an eagle? You're going to Isaiah chapter 40. I'll get there in a second. I begin to study everything I could get about the eagles. Now, this may be interesting to you, but I want you to think about it. God wants to renew me. God wants to restore me, that like an eagle. So it said this is an eagle, that his wingspan can be up to seven foot. Seven foot. Now, I don't know if you've ever been around a human being that's seven foot tall. It's pretty impressive. Seven foot is. The second thing about an eagle is that his eyesight is four times stronger than that of a human being. And the eagle's eyesight never grows dim. Wow. Another characteristic of an eagle is he gets new feathers every year. And I thought, whoa, I could use some new feathers every year. That's a great thought. It's been said about the eagle that he can live up to 100 years old. In other words, God wants to preserve his life long. Uh, It's been said that of an eagle that, again, he flies higher than any other bird. But the last characteristic I found of the eagle was this. The number one reason or the number one cause of a death for an eagle is he drowns to death. And the reason, it says, that when he swoops over a lake or a pond and he goes down and he grabs a fish, oftentimes the fish that he gets a hold of is so heavy that he can't pull him out, but the tenacity of an eagle, he won't let go of him. And you know what I thought? 
I could lose a little tenacity right here today. I, I, could, lose, I could use some kingdom tenacity, a, t- a tenacity that my faith never stops. It never gives up. Now, we read here Isaiah 40, verse 31, very familiar passage. He says, but those who wait on the Lord, those who wait on the Lord, there's no need reading any further if we don't get this first part. Those who wait on the Lord, those who slow down enough in this life to take time to get into God's presence, And so in order to to wait on the Lord, I got to slow down in my life. God is into marinating, but most humans are into microwaving. And, And years ago, when the microwave came on the scene in our world, you know what the microwave did? It gave way to a lust within us called now. I got to have it now. I got to have it. But there's something about when I learned to wait upon the Lord. Well, I'm going to wait upon you, Lord. I'm not going anywhere until I hear from the Lord. So he says, those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Woo, they'll renew their strength. God's strength would become my strength. Now, this verse is cross-referenced to Joshua 1, verse 9. Joshua 1, 9 says, be strong. And a good courage. Not just one time. He says that four times. That again, the strength of God, the courage of God would come upon me. And it happens only when I wait upon the Lord. He goes on to say, those that wait upon the Lord shall mount up with wings like eagles. Ooh, I get a bird's eye view of life. The strength of the living God within me. Those who wait upon the Lord shall run and not be weary. Those who wait upon the Lord shall walk and not faint. And so what we see here is this, that God still desires to do these things. And victory in this life is not the absence of uh, trouble and crisis, but is what I do when trouble and crisis come. And understand, if you're going through trouble or crisis right now, Our God's still in the business of renewing. Our God is still in the business of strengthening. So go with me back in the Old Testament, 1 Samuel chapter 30. 1 Samuel chapter 30. And I'm telling you, the scriptures are going to come alive to you. You're going to get blessed. God is going to speak to your hearts today. So we go to 1 Samuel 30. As you're turning there, let me paraphrase a little bit what's going on. King David is in a place in his life where he's what I called in between. He's in between the anointed king and being the actual king. He's in between prophecy and the fulfillment of prophecy. And and this is a season season of waiting on the Lord. Every one of us are in these seasons, and and it's a season of growth. It's not a season I just sit around and twiddle my thumbs, but it's a season that I begin to develop and I begin to look to God. This isn't a bad season. Some of you right now are in an in-between season, just like David was. So at this time in David's life, he lives in an area called Ziklag for 16 months. This is in the land of the Philistines. So what David does, he goes on a raid into the land of the Philistines. Him and his, his 600 men. We pick up 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 1. 
Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites invaded the south. Now you may say, who are the Amalekites? They're a bunch of terrorists. They're a bunch of idol worshipers. If you're a, a person who loves to dive into the scripture, you find this in 1 Samuel 15. This is when Father God said to Saul, he said, kill them all. Wipe them out. And Saul didn't do it. And so they're still causing problems. So it says the Amalekites invaded. And it said that they invaded the south and Ziklag and attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire. And they had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great. They did not kill anyone, but they carried them away and went their way. Now you didn't realize today, but you're going to get in the story of Ziklag. So what happens here is they're coming back from this three-day journey. And they come over a ridge, and one of King David's men said, Does anyone smell that? And one of them says, It, it smells like smoke. And another one says, Look, there's smoke. And they realize this is coming from their home. And so I believe there's a mixture within David and his men of adrenaline and anxiety. And I believe they begin to run over the hill to see what is going on with that smoke. And so in verse number three, so David and his men came to the city and there it was burned with fire. Their wives, their sons, their daughters had been taken captive. Now, this is where we come into the story. In David's life and his men Everything that they had is gone. The only thing left in their life is what they have on them. So me and you, one day, we come home from work. And we get down from from our house a couple blocks away and we begin to see smoke. And the closer we get, we realize, that's my home. And when I get there, Everything's gone. Every piece of clothing, everything that pertains to food in my refrigerator, my refrigerator's gone. My washer, my dryer, my wife, my microwave, it's gone. Your coach purse, gone. Your Air Jordans, gone. You open your garage up and look, all your vehicles, gone, everything. And then your greatest possession, your wife and your children, gone. Now, I've had bad days before, but I've never had a day like that. Has anyone in here ever had a day like that where, I mean, you just wiped off the face of the earth almost? I, I've never had a day like that. But this is what's going on in King David's life. So again... Victory isn't the absence of trouble. Victory is what I do when trouble comes. And, and I highlight something here. This took place to a guy named King David. A man who was after God's own heart. And so you see this. David and his men weren't exempt from this. So watch what happens. We keep reading. Verse 3. Verse 4, then David and the people who were with him, they lifted up their voices. They wept until they had no more power to weep. They cried so much that their, 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 their tear ducts had no more tears. And oftentimes when we read stuff like this, 
that these men and David's men, they weep and they cry so much. Were they a bunch of sissies? Were they a bunch of crybabies? No, not when I study these guys. Remember with King David, he was the one that God said, you won't build me a temple, you've shed too much blood. These guys are the true definition of bad to the bone. These guys cut your head off just like that. But yet right here, it, it talks about, they showed their emotions. And when I look this, living by faith is, is not living without feelings. Again, when I, I see this, that they begin to weep with, with all they had within them. Do you know the shortest passage of Scripture in all the Bible is Jesus wept? Do you know God made us, according to 1 Thessalonians 5.23, spirit, soul, and body. My soul is made up of my mind, my will, my emotions. God didn't expect us living by faith is not to live by or without my emotions. I mean, I look at Jesus' life. He wept. He had compassion. Do you know in Ecclesiastes 3, Solomon said this, there's a time to be born and there's a time to die. There's a time to laugh and there's a time to cry. There's a time to mourn and a time to dance. And King David said in, in Psalms 30, he said, sorrow or crying may last a night but joy comes in the morning. These guys cried. They were overwhelmed. Do you know before I got born again, the only time I'd ever cry is when I'd lose in a football game. I hated to lose. But when I got born again, oh my gosh. I cry. I grieve. I, I cry with joy. I cry with compassion. There's not hardly a sermon or service goes by. I don't cry. I just get in the presence. I begin to cry. I begin to weep. Do you know that's healing at times? I did a funeral several years ago. And, and the man who we were doing the funeral, his son was sitting there. And I could tell he was overcome with grief. But he became kind of puffed up like an old bullfrog. He's like... I'm not going to cry. And I think he had been taught, big boys don't cry. But whoever told him that was extremely deceived. So after the ceremony got over, I got real close to him and I said, listen. The day's going to come where you're going to need to cry. You're in a state of mourning. You're in a state of grief. And he just looked at me. He stared at me and I could tell the stare was, I've never been told that. A couple years, and I said a couple years, a couple years later, Shelly gets an email. And you know what he says in that email? He said, tell your husband thank you for what he said. Crying's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of healing. Verse 5. And David's two wives, Ahinonom, the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, had been taken captive. So in David's eyes, I, I look at this and I think, I wonder if he's thinking here, could life get any worse? Could life get any more difficult? And we find in verse 6, now David was greatly distressed. Not a little bit, but he was greatly distressed. 
Maybe that describes you this morning. For the people spoke of stoning him because every man was grieved for his sons and his daughters. So here's what takes place. These men or these people were men at one time in their lives. They were a bunch of nobodies. They were a bunch of misfits. They were a bunch of losers. The Bible said they were in debt. They were discontented. And David comes in their life and he begins to teach them how to be a man of God. And now all of a sudden when all hell breaks loose, when life comes at you and it's very cruel, usually human reaction is we got to blame someone. And so they say it's David's fault. Let's kill David. And so you know what King David finds out? He finds out how fickle people are. He finds out how unpopular you can get real quick, even the ones that you've been good to. Let's kill David. Let's go after David. So what does David do in a time like this? The end of verse 6. But David strengthened himself and the Lord is God. He strengthened himself and the Lord is God. You know what that means? I believe David began to praise and he began to worship God. I believe he began to get on his knees and, and he began to call out to God. When, when you see this right here, I, I, I believe that the double barrel shotgun is prayer and praise. And I think this is what David did. And so when it says he strengthened himself in the Lord, Ephesians 6.10 says, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And when life comes at you like it did David, you're going to magnify something. You're going to magnify your circumstances. You're going to magnify the difficulties in. You're going to magnify the negativity you're in. You're going to magnify yourself and say, what about me? Or you can magnify God and allow God to be bigger than your problem. And that's what King David does. He strengthens himself in the Lord. Now keep reading here with me. Verse 7. Then David said to Abathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, please bring the ephod to me. And Abathar brought the ephod to David. Now the ephod was a piece of linen they'd put on. It's like a prayer cloth or a prayer shawl. They put it on. All of David's men knew when he calls for Abathar, he's going to seek God. When he calls for Joab, he's going to say, give me the sword. But in this situation, he says, give me the ephod. Meaning, I'm going to get into the presence of the Lord. I, I need to sit at the Lord's feet. I, I need to hear God's game plan. Now, this is real interesting to me because in this time in his life, he doesn't take matters into his own hand. He doesn't look and say, if it's the last thing I do, I'm going to hunt every one of them down. No, the very First thing he did was, I got to call on God. I, I got to look to God. See, so many times in our life, when all hell breaks loose in our life, what's our first reaction? I call 1-800 up the creek. Do I start texting all my friends? Or do I say, I'm going to get the ephod. I'm going to go before Lord. So, watch, watch what takes place here. Verse 8. So David inquired of the Lord, 
saying, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? He's waiting on the Lord. He asked God this question. He said, Father God, I want to know your heart in the matter. And in verse 8, notice. And God answered him. Our God is still in the business of answering prayer when I wait upon him and when I go to him. Again, God's in the, he's in the marinating. He's not in the microwaving. But, but do I take time enough to say, I, I got to get into the presence of the Lord. So he answered him and he said, pursue for you shall overtake them and without fail recover all. Now, can you imagine what this did on the inside of David? I, began, he, I believe he began to march around that tent where he was at. And he began to say to himself, my God said, pursue. My God said, overtake. My God said, recover all. Woo, pursue. Pursue. Overtake, recover all, pursue. And, and I believe it, it relit a vision within. He began to see with the eye of faith again that God birthed something within him. So what takes place right here is when we look at the word of God, just this book is called the Logos. It's the written word. But the word of God comes alive by a thing called the Rhema when I take what the word of God and I begin to speak it out of my mouth and I say, whoo, my father said, pursue, overtake. Recover all. Now let me ask you something right now. How many of you in here say, I need a rhema right now. I need a word from God right now. I need a word from God. Here's what's interesting about this. When God speaks this to to King David, he not only gave him a rhema, he gave him what we call a kairos, K-A-I-R-O-S, The word kairos literally means a specific time or a specific moment. And so when he says this right here to him, you know what David gets? David not only gets a specific word, but he gets a specific time. And our God is still in that, that God will give you a specific word for a specific time or better yet, a right now time, a right now word. I need to hear from you right now, Father God. I need to listen to you right now, Father God. I got to hear from you now. And so when you look at this right here, when life comes at you and you want to give up, when life comes at you and you want to quit, I'm telling you right now, get, get in the presence of the Lord. Get before our Father God, okay? God will move within us. So a couple of years ago, I'm in a time in my life, they'll take care of that noise, I promise you. I'm in a, I'm in a situation in my life that We're having a Christmas Eve service. This is seven years ago. And so it's right around Christmas. Friday night. And after the service, I walk out. And right out here is a strong odor of gas. Long story short, the gas company shows up. And they say, we're going to cut your gas off at the meter. And I was like, no, 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 you can't do that. You, you cut it at my meter, you kill off 50,000 square foot of this whole property. No, you can't do that. And the guy said, so December in Lubbock, it's cold. So Christmas Day is the next day. And for my life, it was the Christmas from hell. I was thinking, what is going on, Lord? What are we going to do? We don't have any heat in the building. 
So I get a hold of a guy and he said, I'll be out first thing Monday morning. We got church Sunday. We come to church that Sunday morning and some of you may remember we shot texts out and we said, bring your gloves, bring your coats, bring your blankets. It was a balmy 56 degrees in here and people came to worship God. So Monday morning shows up and the guy comes to meet with me and he sees the issue and he goes, I don't have enough time or manpower, dude. I can't do it. So I get a hold of another company. They said, we'll be out first thing on Thursday. I said, Thursday? That's a week we've gone in this building without heat. So I meet the guy up here on Thursday and he says, listen, before I start digging, I'm just telling you right now, it's going to be a minimum of 25000 to fix it. Oh, happy day. I go back home, and I begin to magnify the problem. I begin to tell Shelly, this is what's going to, oh, my God, what are we going to do? I mean, I literally have mental torment, which is hell inside my head. I mean, have you ever had hell inside your, I'm like, I mean, this guy is freaking out. And Shelly looks at me, and she said, you need to get back in faith. Mama say, knock you out. <laughs> Telling me to get back. And then I realized, you want to locate yourself? Just listen to what you're saying. I mean, I was magnifying everything but God. So you know what I did that Thursday? I put my gloves on. I put my stocking cap on. I put my coat on. And I came back up here. And I came into the house of the Lord. And you can tell I'm a pacer, man. I go back. I'm walking these altars and I begin to call out to God and I begin to say, Father God, grace me. Grace. I need a rhema. I need a kairos right now. And I believe this is what happened to David that when he began to inquire of the Lord, the Lord reminded him, David, when you were a shepherd boy, lions and tigers and bears, who cares? Remember when, when you fought Goliath? Remember, and so God started taking me back. And he began to remind me. And I'll never forget the reign of the Kairos I got that day was God said, I'm faithful. I'm, I'm fa I've been faithful from the start of this and I'll continue to be faithful. And, and after a couple hours, man, there was strength back on in the side. He rekindled the faith within me. And I walked outside there and I, I watched them. They begin to dig and they begin to do stuff. And the next few days I would look and I, I promise you, from, from our building all the way to the alley, this is it. it. It looked like the Air Force had dropped missiles on our property. Every time I'd go out there and look, my, my, my flesh would sound and say, oh no. But my heart would say, Faithful God, faithful God, faithful God, faithful God. My God is faithful. And I begin to live with the eye of the tiger. My God is faithful. And you say, and immediately it was fixed. Oh, no. 21 days later, we finally got heat back into this building. And the goodness of God, not one pipe broke and froze. 
I saw the faithfulness of God. But that's not the end of the story. Then the guy who fixed it said, here's your bill. I'm thinking 25 grand. Oh, no. It's 50,000 now. Whoa, happy day. (laughs) Faithful God. Faithful God. And I never have forgot that thing. And here's what God does with me. Periodically in my life, when life comes at me hard and when life comes at me in a cruel way, all I got to do is walk through the parking lot. And this morning I was out there praying, and guess what? That parking lot's got scars all over it. And God reminds me, remember when the pipe was broke? And I said, Faithful God. Faithful God. See, God will show up. God will give us a Rhema, God will give us a Kairos. So let me paraphrase, man, I, I got to go real quick here. King David begins to pursue like God says him. So he hunts him down and he catches this Egyptian who had been running with the Malachites. And, and the Egyptian says, if you'll spare my life, I'll take them to where, I'll take you where they're at. First uh, Samuel 30, verse 16. And when he had brought him down, there they were spread out over all the land, eating and drinking and dancing because of all the great spoil which they had taken from the land of Philistines and from the land of Judah. Now I want you to see this, okay? David's looking over this ridge, and there they are all down there in this valley. And they're partying at David's expense. They're dancing at David's expense. And I believe something within King David made him fighting mad. I believe there was something within him that triggered, and and he said, they're not going to dance over me. Now, the difference between us and that was, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So there's a time in my, I need to get mad at the devil. I need to tell the devil about, my God is still the God who said, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb. My God is the God who said, the greater one lives in me. And so I got to remind the devil, remember devil. Jesus destroyed the works of darkness. Remember, devil, the the Lord Jesus, he bruised your head. And my victories were his victories. So watch this, watch this. Oh, my goodness, verse 17. Then David attacked him from twilight until the evening of the next day. Not a man of them escaped except 400 young men who rode on their camels and fled. So David recovered just about a quarter of it. So David recovered all the Malachites carried away and David rescued his two wives and nothing of theirs was lacking, either small or great, sons or daughters, spool or anything which they had taken from them. David recovered all. It's huge, guys. Our God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Our God's not a respecter of persons. And so I go back and I look at what King David do. I got to get in the presence of God. I got to get in the presence of God. I got to slow down in this life long enough. I I, I have a desire, Lord. I I need to mount up with wings of eagles. I need your strength. I'm going to ask you to stand up right there where you're at. See, in this life, you may have gotten knocked down. But God's saying today you can get back up. 
You may have lost the battle, but you don't have to lose the war. And when I read this about King David over and over, something begins to resonate within me. I want God to move in my life like he moved in King David's life. But do I want to do what he did to get there? Am I saying, Lord, I'm, I'm going to get in your presence. I'm going to ask you to bow your head right there where you're at. You may be in a trial today. You may be in a crisis today. James 1 says, brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. In other words, as brethren, as Christians, we're not exempt from difficulties. But those trials and those testings are to prove the genuineness within us. And he said those trials and and, and uh, tests would produce a patience, a, a, a genuineness. I may be the only one in here like this, but I doubt it. I need a double dose of of patience. I I need patience. I I welcome patience. You know, if you're here today and your life is marked by crisis, trials and tests right now, What have you looked to first? Who have you looked to first? See, I believe it's like God is saying, I want to give you an invitation. Call on me. Call on me. Do you know in Psalms 3, King David said this. He said, how are they that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. Many are they that say of the Lord, there's no help for him in God. But you know what King David said? He said, for thou, O Lord, art a shield for me. You're the glory and the lifter of my head. In other words, I I don't care what people say or do. I look to you. He said in Psalms 51, verse 10, he said, Lord, renew a steadfast spirit within me. The message says, shape a Genesis week in the chaos of my life. Shape a new beginning, Lord. I welcome you. I give you permission, Lord. I need a renewing. I need your strength today. And so as our team gets ready to play here this morning, Lord, what would happen if we came before God and said, Lord, grace me to wait upon you. Grace me for the season of life I'm in. Woo, Lord, I welcome you today. I, I, I welcome a rhema. I welcome a Kairos. I I welcome a God who still says, pursue, overtake, and recover all. And so as they sing, I believe God's going to burst something within you here today, okay? Go ahead and sing, guys. Thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.